track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's landed for I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, drop in the big leg. Over for the cover. He got it. Unbelievable. He got it! The starter! Mike Tyson in! Austin is the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Now the 2-2. Two -two. Well hit down the left field line. Way back and Touch the ball, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! What's up, Connection Podcast Network listeners? Welcome back to WWE War Wrestling Above Replacement. I am JT. Joining me, as always, on this project is my buddy Marcus. Marcus, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well, JT. Excited to be here. We have uh, two really, I think, like fun shows to talk about. Um, I guess we'll break those down mm -hmm. in a lot more details. We go on, and uh, the listeners can determine just how fun they are. But uh, we have a tournament to cover as we are on the cusp of. March Madness, an NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, we get to talk about the WWF's annual tournament. So excited to do that. It's a plus minus based, real nerded out uh, look at all WWE pay-per-views. We're into our third season. If you're new here, we do this uh, show based on a season view, which looks at history of WWE based on first, you know, pay-per-view starting right after Mania until the next year's Mania instead of doing calendar years. That's how we're looking at it. So you really get the full build and picture of how they, you know, work and build characters and storylines up to the biggest show of the year. Our first season was 94, 95. We did 2011, 2012, and now we're doing 1999, 2000. And uh, we'll start by going through every match on the card. We give that a match grade averages out to get the total score. And then we have a series of categories. We get pluses, we get minuses, we net those out, and that gives us our final total uh, score of the show. And then based on that is where it ranks all time. We'll get into more details as we go. But think of it just very at its core. Um, if you were to assume every wrestling match all time was a 2.5 and every pay-per-view ever just kind of hit the average right that'd be a replacement level show so what we do here is we look for the pluses and the minuses to see if it'll go below or above replacement level and see where it ranks all time so all that said 
Our first uh, show we're going to talk about tonight, as Marcus hinted at, is King of the Ring 1999 from the Greensboro, North Carolina Coliseum Complex, June 27th, like I mentioned. Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, of course, have the call. And we do have a full tournament bracket for us here tonight, Marcus, which is always cool uh, that we get the full four-match first round, eight competitors, which hadn't been a thing uh, in a couple of years leading up to this. 96, 97, 98 all only had four uh, competitors make the pay-per-view. So here we get the full compliment coming into the show. Yeah, they they definitely have the roster depth uh, and the bodies to be able to do a full tournament like this. So I'm glad we do have that. Uh, do you want me to run down his opening matchups? Uh, yeah, well, we're, we're the, uh, let's go over the heat matchups and then let's do the qualifiers for the tournament okay. as well. Yeah, so uh, starting off the night, we've got Meat with Jacqueline Terry defeating Kurt Angle. That was a dark match. Uh, I believe Sunday Night Heat now starts. We've got the brood of Edge and Christian with Gangrel taking on the Hardy Boys with Michael P.S. Hayes. That goes to a no contest. Uh, the Corporate Ministry of Midian and Viss defeat the Big Boss Man in a handicap match. Prince Albert withdraws, is going to defeat Val Venus. And Ken Shamrock uh, defeats Shane McMahon by disqualification in more of an angle. Uh, that went less than a minute. So one note on that tag with the Brood and the Hardys, that was for the chairman, the number one contender for the tag team titles, because that went to a no contest in under two minutes, That's they right. remake the match for the pay-per-view. So we'll see that actual match later. Um, and like you mentioned, the Shane Shamrock thing was more of an angle. Shamrock gets his shit kicked out of him uh, and it'll come in with internal injuries to the tournament. Uh, real quick on TV, we had the first round technically against the qualifiers. Billy Gunn defeated Viscera. Ken Shamrock over Jeff Jarrett. Big Show defeated Draws. Kane defeated Test. The Road Dog over The Godfather. China defeated Val Venus to become the first female entrant to a King of the Ring. Hardcore Holly defeated Al Snow. And X-Pac knocked off the Big Boss Man. And there's one interesting thing here, Marcus. I just read you eight matches. They all occurred on TV. The longest of those matches was three minutes and five seconds. <laughs> Everything else was under three minutes. And that is what people think of when they think of this era, right? Like express lane matches, focus on angle and storyline, and just a bunch of like not much focus in the ring, which is why we were super interested to see how these pay-per-views shake out. Can the carrying of the moments and the atmosphere and the build and the commentary offset the in-ring product? Uh, or will that not be a concern on pay-per-view? Maybe on pay-per-view the matches get more time. It's not as much of a concern as it is week-to-week TV. Yeah, and I guess we might as well start with the show proper uh, mm-hmm. and see if that uh, carries true throughout the show. Uh, we have, in a King of the Ring, uh, I guess a quarterfinal matchup, X-Pac is going to defeat Hardcore Holly by disqualification. I went 1.75. <laughs> yeah, uh, so... <laughs> This was like our first red flag that this tournament could be a disaster. Holly at this point was still kind of like a little bit of a growing internet darling. And I remember thinking like a worker who just needed a chance and he was getting that chance. And I remember being kind of excited for this match, thinking like, all right, X-Pac can go. Holly can be carried at at the least, if not go. This should be a fun way to open the show. And it's like an express lane match. It only goes... Three minutes. Three minutes. And Holly gets himself DQ'd by using a chair. And they play up the whole, like, he didn't care. He just 
I, whatever it's it's like is he stupid does he not give a shit like they seem a little confused on the reasoning as to why he did what he did but it's really dumb like it just makes holly look stupid uh the only thing it does do positively is it sets up xbox neck injury for the rest of the night which is a big uh storyline to come out and uh, him hitting over the chair plays into that so whatever i gave it 0.75 uh just three minutes of nothing happening until the stupid finish yeah and just really like poor uh execution of like the reasoning as to why holly got himself disqualified with the i Mm -hmm. don't care i do what i want like we know he's going to go on with this big shot character which i really like um but like have that be more the reasoning as opposed to like just him being a sociopath not caring about like (laughs) like what happens um like there's motivation here like you know you win the king of the ring is pretty prestigious it historically sets people up to you know to be the <coughs> event pitcher and all that stuff and he's somebody who uh has been like up and down the card a little bit and uh-huh. has really failed to really get a fair shot uh for as long as he's as he's been around um so yeah really like poor character development and reasoning there uh but we're going to move on to our next matchup in the king of the ring another uh quarterfinal match as Kane is going to defeat the Big Show, I went 0.5 on this match. Oh, same God, I hate this match. It's so boring. Uh, it's it's just like Big Show. We didn't talk a lot about him on our last episode, but this goes six and a half minutes, and he had just debuted in February, and I think he's already done multiple turns, right? Because he debuted as a heel. Yes. He turns face and joins yes. the Union. And, like, he's kind of inching back to heel here already Yeah. Uh, coming into this match. And as much as I like Kane in 99, like, this just ain't it. Like, Big Show came in with a lot of hype. Vince talked a lot of shit that they would know how to present a giant. WCW could never know how to use a guy like him, and they would use him right. And we're, like, a few months in, and he's already kind of sputtering. And this just felt like it should have been like a big Haas war. And it's just so boring. It's six and a half minutes slog. I want a half a star as well. Just not good. Yeah, not good at all. Big show stumbling out of the gate uh, time after time. Like we're already on multiple turns, like you said. And Kane is somebody who is really over at this point. Um, And you hate to like see Kane like be put in this position to kind of like pull up the big show and they're already trying to steal away from like Kane's heat in a positive way and try to put that on the big show here. And uh, we'll see if uh, these two stay married as the season progresses. Uh, but our next matchup is Billy Gunn defeating Ken Shamrock, who we mentioned was injured. I went 2.25 and that is also King of the Ring uh, quarterfinal matchup. I went 2.25. Yeah, I gave it to it again. Like I love Shamrock. But this goes three and a half minutes, and it's just him bleeding from the mouth while Billy Gunn mm-hmm. batters him, and the ref stops the match. There's so much wrong. Maybe we can do a quick rebook at the end when we go through the matches, but it's like, man, like there's so much potential, even in a year like this where you're not going to give a lot of time, and they're already botching it bad. Like, Kane and Big Show have a snoozer. Holly looks like an idiot. Shamrock, who's your best tournament guy, has this injury and goes out in the first round. It's, it's just so all over the place. Like, yeah. Yeah, uh, we are really on the struggle bus as far as booking goes, and even the matches have been uh, so-so. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of opportunity for these matches to like actually deliver, but um, a lot of like TV quality so far. 
we get our final King of the Ring quarterfinal matchup as the Road Dog is going to defeat China, who is accompanied by Triple H. Uh, they're going to get 13 minutes plus uh, to mm-hmm. do their business. Uh, Road Dog advances. And I went, let me find my spot here. Uh, I went 2.5 uh, on this one, so replacement level. Yeah, easily the longest, uh, third longest match on the card by far. A ton of time. Uh, and I thought this was pretty good, too. It was like China's real, I guess, kind of first foray into like singles com- competitor, uh, competition. She had done some tag stuff with the men earlier. But, I mean, this is like a big one-on-one pay-per-view match in the tournament. Road Dog goes over. Uh, I thought for sure at the time China was going to win and move on. But Dog goes over. And uh, I went two and a half as well. And it was it was a solid match. You get the spot with the cup where she does the low blow and he pulls the cup out, which is mm-hmm. cool. Um, and at this point, you would assume we're looking full steam ahead at a road dog, Billy Gunn Outlaws final. Yeah, uh, the Outlaws are like a main event act. Uh, so mm-hmm. it makes sense, at least like in our heads, that we would build a road dog and Billy Gunn matchup in the finals. Um. And I just want to say, like, this match that Road Dog and China have, um, I think Road Dog gets touted as, like, he's such a good worker, but that kind of gets forgotten about with the heavy character stuff that he does. Um, and I think this is a great example of that. Um, I think this is one of the better matchups that China's going to have. We'll see mm-hmm. as the season continues because China's going to get a lot of uh, featured matchups on pay-per-view. Um, but Road Dog really understands how to have a long match without starting too hot and kind of like without losing their place in the matchup. Um, it, it really does build to a nice finish and a, a, a good climax for the match. Um, but yeah, that, that's all I had for that matchup. Uh, okay. Next up, we've got the Hardy boys defeating edge and Christian. They're going to become the number one contenders for the WF tag team titles. I went 2.75. Yep. Same for me. Uh, you know, these teams are, slowly working their way into our atmosphere. Like the brood's been around since the fall. The Hardys showed up like over the winter, but kind of as a low level job team and suddenly kind of getting elevated here week by week, picking up Michael Hayes as a manager to kind of show them the ropes. So, you know, he's involved in this and the Hardys suddenly are number one contenders for the tag titles kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. Out of nowhere, but a really fun matchup. And, um, Going to get a lot more of them as the season goes on. Uh, next up is a semifinal matchup in the King of the Ring tournament as Billy Gunn is going to defeat Kane. I went two. I went one and a quarter. I thought this sucked as well. And for, you know, what's going to be Billy Gunn's big night? Like, so far he's wrestled eight or nine minutes. One, the ref stopped. This one's got some tomfoolery involved as well. And like, just not like, this is not a great showing. They did not set him up for success out of the gate here on this tonight. Um, this tournament already kind of feels like second rate uh, by this point. Yeah. And I, if you look at Billy Gunn, um, I, I said it last episode, like Billy Gunn looks like what you'd want a WWF superstar to look like in 1999. Uh, he is not somebody who needs to be, uh, winning underhandedly or only advancing because this guy is hurt. Like, no right. one is going to be harmed because they lost to the largest human being of all time, Billy Gunn. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just not going to happen. Even a guy like Kane. Um, you know, Billy Gunn can believably beat Kane, I think. Um, you know, given Kane's ability to get sympathy on himself as a babyface. Um, but yeah, 
Uh, even though I like the match, I do agree uh, the booking is poor here so far for Billy Gunn. Um, but we're going to move on to the next semifinal match as X-Pac is going to defeat the Road Dog. I went 2.25 on this. Yeah, so this is a little bit better. I went uh, to continues the work on X-Pac's neck. And I remember being pretty surprised at the time that we didn't get Road Dog gun. I mean, it was right there for them. And, you know, they had fought it over the edge. It seemed like this would be the logical next step. And instead, X-Pac wins, which is fine. I mean, him and Billy Gunn have a history, too, as part of DX. And it seemed like they preferred to focus more on the show-long angle of X-Pac being the gritty underdog with the busted neck uh, versus doing the Outlaws blow-off. So uh, I thought it was an interesting choice at the time and still a little interesting that they went X-Pac over Road Dog, but whatever. And I think it was probably going to wash out to be the same either way. So this also only goes three minutes. So this outside of that China match, this first round has all been like sub six and a half minutes. Yeah, and I can see their thinking there um, with, like, trying to give Billy Gunn the easy road to becoming king. Um, but the New Age Outlaws explosion just makes more sense. Um, but, yeah, it is a surprise here to see Xbox advance. Not mad about it, though. Um, we do get a WWE title match next as The Undertaker is going to defeat The Rock. I went 3.75. How do you feel about this matchup? I'll tell you, I was surprised. So I went three and a half, and I had always remembered this one as being kind of a stinker, uh, like that didn't mesh and kind of, you know, wonky because historically these guys don't have the best chemistry mm. in big matches. But this was a lot of fun. It was like super chaotic. This is like a sneaky early rock face match as well uh, because he's not really fully face yet. He's kind of inching toward it. He would be very almost immediately after this, but. It's kind of just a weird match buried in the show where Rock fights for the title and loses. And Undertaker gets a signature win. And they give him a lot of time, almost 20 minutes, uh, which is a big chunk of this card. And it, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, the chaos was good. Taker gets the win. Um, I was surprised. Like, it was definitely much better than I remembered it being. Yeah, you said it perfectly. You summed it up really well. Um, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and it's like a forgotten about match in this reign of the undertaker uh, has in the, the spring and summertime and rock hasn't fully transitioned into being a baby face yet. So it's still fun to see him have uh, some of those heel tendencies in his work. Um, but just overall a really fun matchup. Uh, and that takes us to our King of the ring final as Billy Gunn is going to defeat X-Pac. They're going to get about five and a half minutes here. And I went 2.75. Yeah, not much doing. I went two and a quarter. The, you know, Billy focused on the neck. The neck gives out, and he wins the crown. I think everyone coming in pretty much knew Billy Gunn was winning this tournament. The only question would be how it would lay out and who would uh, face him, and they go the X-Pac route, and they just don't give it enough, like... There's just not enough build to the Xbox stuff to really sell the neck throughout mm. the night. It's like three minutes, Holly hits him with a chair five minutes with his friend, you know, and then this, it's like, like they don't really focus on him being so banged up and being such an underdog. It didn't feel that way. So like, it's like, they just kind of went lazily about it. Like they mm -hmm. had the idea and just didn't really put the effort in to execute it fully. Um, so it just is, is what it is. I mean, we'll see how the follow-up to guns big night goes, but you know, this evening itself is not going to the King of the Ring Pantheon. That's for sure. No, not at all, but we do get a, uh, super famous in this match that was a really big spot for the time so uh you know at least they did play off the next stuff with xbox but again 
Um, I don't know if enough was done to really hammer home like mm-hmm. how worn down Xbox was due to the next stuff. Um, right. <laughs> well, I mean, he's only wrestled like eight minutes. Like, yeah, they make it like it's been this grueling tournament when all of Xbox matches combined are like shorter than his match with Shane McMahon. Pretty much, you know, it's like it's like ridiculous. It's they're trying to sell this. Exo- oh my God, what a road! Like these guys have been through. I mean, Xbox literally wrestled what three, eight? Uh, no, three six. Yeah, 11 minutes. You know, I mean, like, that's it. Like, three matches in 11 minutes. And Billy Gunn wasn't much more than that. You know, he was, like, 13 minutes. So, yeah, like, this isn't exactly a big, grueling tournament when three matches equals 11 minutes. It's, yeah, I just... Maybe they would have been better off just doing the four guys on this one uh, versus trying to squeeze the eight in plus all these other matches. Yeah, and it really puts a damper on Billy Gunn's win. Uh, like you said, it seemed pretty telegraphed that Gunn was going to win, but you know you can put more effort into who he's defeating and how he's defeating them, and you know make him legitimate, even though he is a heel. Um, you know you can have him, you know, be tough and win matchups, uh, you know, and and still get heat on him. But this wasn't it. Um, hate to see it happen to Billy Gunn. Uh, I'm a Billy Gunn fan, uh, but that leads us to our main event as we have a ladder match for control of the company uh, as Vince and Shane McMahon are going to defeat Stone Cold Steve Austin. I went 3.25. I went three and a half. Uh, I've always liked this match. It's, it's fun. It's just pure classic Austin beating the shout of the McMahons. Right. I mean, that's pretty much what it is the whole time. And if you like that, you'll like this. Um, the angle, of course, this is after the, the greater power, where uh, or the higher power where Vince had revealed himself to be the mastermind behind the corporate ministry didn't really make a ton of sense still doesn't rewatching back but I think they knew it was a bomb because they quickly pivot that same night where Austin uh, basically is given control of the company by Linda McMahon he's co-owning it with Vince or co-running it but with Vince um, and that builds to this match here with the briefcase on the line where the winning entity would have full control of the company. Uh, so the McMahons, Vince and Shane wrestle away and now fully control the company. We get the briefcase brouhaha at the end where it magically goes up and down and screws over Austin. Uh, this is one to me where people always bitch, but it was actually explained. I thought on TV, it's always mm-hmm. on that. It's always on those like sports media lists of like, you know, unsolved wrestling mysteries who raised the briefcase or whatever the fuck. But uh, it was obviously the big boss man because he was fired quote unquote, on uh on tv the week before and they had said no corporation member could get involved and since he wasn't in the corporation it was okay to get involved they don't show him here but then the next night on raw if you recall he comes out to his old big boss man theme and mm-hmm. teases a face run and then like hugs the, the corporation and he's back and they pretty much reveal that he helped them win so uh it's not really as unsolved as you think it does play out and resets us with vince and shane back on top of the promotion yeah. And a fine match, uh, three and a half for me, <laughs> three and a quarter for you. So this average, uh, what we do is we take the average of our grade. So, for example, that one would average out to 3.375. We round up. And then uh, if we assume a replacement level match is two and a half, we take that final number uh, and subtract it or, you know, from the two and a half. And that gives us our war score to tell us how far above replacement level a match was. So if this was call it three and a half, it's a full point above two and a half replacement level. So that gets one. We tally up the plus minuses of all the matches. And that gives us a not very good score of negative two for match quality on this pay-per-view. 
Yeah, not the best. Um, hate to see it. Um, but we'll see if it can make up for its lackluster performance with uh, the other categories. All right. Well, let's get into it. Our first category of the night is build. So we'll talk about all the pluses over replacement level and all the minuses below replacement level. We'll see how it nets out. So for build, we gave a point for Austin McMahon. Of course, even with the higher power stuff, uh, there's still some really funny things in here. Austin in his office and all that stuff um, as co-owner. Uh, Big Shot Holly was a lot of fun. This is where he starts to get delusional about his size and his weight and says he's a, a superhero and super giant and heavyweight and he can hang with guys like Big Show and Kane. Of course, he gets involved in their match. All the Shamrock Corporation stuff where he uh, leaves and joins the union and starts to really um, try and put a dent in the corporation and pick them apart. The DX explosion, China being the first female King of the Ring entrant. Uh, the Rock slow build face turn into the title feud here, which also gets a point. And then the blow up of the corporate ministry is part of all this as well. So uh, a lot of build coming into the show. Yeah, a lot of build, a lot of stuff happening. Uh, in the minus category, let's take a look. Uh, we have the higher power botch, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of just corporation stuff that um, really takes away from the show. And we have a confusing scene with the tag team titles. Uh, I think Billy Gunn is claiming to be one half or one third of the tag team champions because he secured the pinfall in a match where he voluntarily put the titles on the line for, I believe, the APA or I guess the accolades at this point. Yeah, he, I don't know if it was the six man, I think. And yeah, something. he got the win and he said, oh, well, because I won, I'm yeah, one of the tag champs. He's walking around with the tag. It was just really stupid. For a guy you're trying to push as a top singles act, like it felt kind of like a cheesy, hokey deal. Um, he should be focused on big singles titles, not fucking around trying to pretend he's a tag champion at this point, which he's already won like nine times. Like, do we really need another <laughs> So yeah. that that's out to a four, uh, plus four for build, which is good. So uh, more than cancels out the, the shitty match grades. All right, commentary, a lot of pluses here. As we talked about in the last episode, JR and King are really locked in right now, really at their peak as the voices of the Attitude Era. Uh, they do a nice, clear explanation of what happened on Heat and all the ongoing stories. We gave that two points uh, because it really carries throughout the whole show. Uh, really good camaraderie, too, with the good banter of ball busting. It's not overbearing as it would get. Uh, JR, always fun when he shits on fat Paul Bearer. <laughs> Has such a disdain for this man. He never hides it. Uh, JR and King were great during Take on Rock. JR uh, saying losing your smile to get a dig when Shawn Michaels comes out before the main event. <laughs> plus three, please. Uh, <laughs> Ross uh, talks about all the history of the NWA in the building to kind of t- tie it to the current day product, which is cool. Uh, good topical regional tie-ins to talk about Coach K. So this is really on point. I think is what we're trying to get across here. And also, JR really makes a point to call out like who raised the briefcase. So a lot of positives on commentary for the show. Yeah, they really brought their A game. Uh, let's take a look at the minuses. Uh, King is over the top, calling Shamrock an idiot for continuing to you know go on with his injured ribs and the internal bleeding and all that stuff. Um, but it was just too much. And, of course, King is obnoxious about a man wrestling a woman with the uh, Road Dog versus China matchup. So only minus two there. And that gives us a total for seven. So I think that may be our greatest commentary score. Maybe our Donovan topped it. I don't know. But it's 
pretty high overall. And you think about where we where we are versus like eleven twelve, where we're mm-hmm. struggling with the commentary. I mean, this is like a, a a great performance for Jr. and King throughout this night. So a lot of good stuff. All right, atmosphere. Uh, the really cool set with all the ladders in the aisle that they end up using in the main event. Uh, the crowd's super into X Pac. Kane has an awesome entrance. Uh, big pop for Shawn Michaels uh, in the R- Road Dog China finish. Uh, the Rock is super over here. Monster pop for Austin coming out. And a point for them pulling the dick out on the table for WCW, running a full house right in their territory in Greensboro yeah. on a major pay per view when WCW is like starting to really struggle and Bischoff's about to be fired and all that stuff. So. Yeah, this feels like um, this feels like capturing the flag. Like they they've got the flag and they've run it back to their territory. Um, it feels like this is now uh, part of WWF country. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the minuses, uh, got the crowd not having any of the Holly and Xbox finish as they should. Um, I mean that was a really bad finish to throw out there uh, for the opening matchup where you had two guys who really could have uh, brought something really really good to the table. Um, the crowd is unsure during the Brood Hardys. Again, we mentioned the un, like I guess the the undefined um, the babyface heel dynamics mm-hmm. uh, as the season goes on, and the crowd is really checked out for what's supposed to be like a big blow off. Um, you know, with given the DX dynamics with Billy Gunn and Xbox, um, given how dead they are, were they expecting Road Dog and Billy Gunn to be in the finals? Did it really make a difference if X-Pac was in there or not? Um, but either way, um, they did nothing to really help that moment at all. Yeah, I, I think they just knew, like, by that point, Gunn was winning. And then also, I think they were just waiting for Austin. <laughs> like, this is yeah. the third Billy Gunn match. Like, I think they're just probably done by this point uh, with all of it. So it's hard to play in them. I think if X-Pac would have won, maybe, like, they would have woken up and, and cheered. But... Uh, as is. No bueno. All right. Notable moments. Let's see here what we got. We got Shamrock uh, with the internal bleeding bad man gimmick, which is always a, a good stick for him. We get our first ever Kane Big Show pay-per-view match, which will not will be far from the last of their interactions on pay-per-view. Uh, China is the first female King of the Ring entrant. Uh, heavy usage of heat to set up the night. So that was mm-hmm. cool. Like, uh, you know, they're really starting to utilize that show to set up the pay-per-views. Uh, the memorable moment of Road Dog with, with the cup when he gets a low blow. Our first ever Hardy's Edge and Christian pay-per-view match as well, uh, which one of many. So that was cool. Uh, Triple H costing The Rock. That escalates their feud. One of my favorite moments of all time is Steve Blackman coming out for the main event. Uh, so Vince says, like, my partner, <laughs> you know, with Shane, because they do the whole fake out where Shane's hurt from Shamrock and he can't compete. And Vince says he'll have a mystery partner because Sean says the match will go on. And uh, Vince brings out Steve Blackman. And, like, it's just like you're expecting someone big. And he's like, Steve Blackman. And you get the music. the You know, and he comes chugging out. And he's just got this, like, serious look on his face. Like, walks to the ring. And then there's this moment where he's just like looking at Vince and Vince is like pantomiming, explaining the concept of the match to him. <laughs> and it always makes me laugh. He's like points at the briefcase and like makes a fist and Blackman's just like nodding. And it's just like so little and stupid, but it's like, it's <laughs> always made me laugh. He's like, it's always like, all right, here's how it works. You know? Like, I was just like picturing what the fucking two of these guys are talking about. Um, but then we get the, uh, of course, the moment of Shane 
getting revealed on GTV where he, where he's fine. He's, you know, yucking it up with the Mean Street Posse. So Sean drags him out. And then Vince and Shane uh, winning back the company is a big moment as well. So lots going on in the show. Yeah, a lot happening. Really awesome moment there with Blackman and McMahon. Uh, but we do have a few minuses here. Uh, one of those being Terry Taylor as our Roman reporter. Oh, uh, so bad. Anytime the rooster uh, has a live mic backstage, uh, that's going to get a at least a negative one. <laughs> uh, Hardcore Holly's terrible strategy and the reveal of such. Uh, Hayes and Gangrel, uh, they are out there as the seconds to Edge and Christian, the brood. Um, but they look like idiots. Um, odd not to do the New Age Outlaws blow off at all, um, especially considering like they are a main event act. Uh, Gun winning the t- King of the Ring and just the whole booking behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to get a minus one. And the mystery briefcase raising, not really sure if we needed it on this night. Um, we decided to go ahead and give it uh, minus one, even though they do pay it off. Yeah, I think part of it, too, is this all the confusion. Like, yes, they mm-hmm. pay it off, but if you're still, like, arguing about it, like, decades later, like, maybe it wasn't clear enough kind of what happened, um, or it's just not paid off the right way. So that gives us a total of four. And and looking back, like, not doing the Outlaw Bluff, and we talked about the match times. Like, I really wonder if they would have been best served just doing four entrants. Yeah. And just doing a DX all, all DX tournament, like do Road Dog China on one side, X Pac Billy on the other, and then Dog Gun Final, and then you can still do like Kane Big Show on the undercard if you want to get that match in, and have Holly just get involved in that, and then you're not really losing much, you know? No. Yeah, I like that rebooking a lot more, and I'm all for the King of the Ring usually having the eight people. Uh, on pay-per-view i just think it like when you do it right it makes for like that grueling feeling um but like with this when you have three minute matches like what's the point mm-hmm. um just go right. ahead and it's a waste. right eliminate the middlemen um and just get down to the final four yeah because shamrock doesn't do anything anyway so you can have him be involved with shane maybe move that to the show if you want do kane big show with holly gets involved and then just do the four dx guys with china you know yeah, so I think that would have been a better approach on this night. Yeah, or even have Sunday Night Heat. You could have done, you know, two of those matches on Heat. Right. Um, you know, got things going a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, that's what we've got for moments of importance. Um, card structure? Uh, yeah, well, real quick, match grades oh, yeah. <clears throat> we talked about was a negative two. Card structure, uh, we give a point for the good through line with Shamrock getting attacked early in the night. And then also a good through line of Shane getting hurt on Heat and Vince wanting a replacement. They play that out through the night with Sean fucking with him backstage. And also the through line of Xbox injury. So three really good show line stories that we had play out. All right. And for the minuses, as we just talked about, poor tournament booking. Uh, Kane and Big Show had a uh, never-ending choke segment. Shamrock's injuries take away from what could have been a good match or at least a good run in the tournament. Uh, constant bad finishes. And uh, lots of short matches, all heel victories on this night, as mm-hmm. you pointed out. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I mean, like Road Dog and Xbox winning the undercard matches are really it. Other than that, Taker goes over, Gunn wins the tournament, the McMahons win. Even the Hardys were basically kind of the heels in that match. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty much all heels up throughout the whole show. So. Um, so we give that a negative three for card structure, which definitely is going to hurt. 
Uh, rewatchability. Kane's physique, I could rewatch all day. He is fucking <laughs> shredded here. Like eight by ten world ripped. champion. Oh my, my gosh. God. He is lean. And honestly, like, I think we'll see this through 99. It may be the most, and I don't think this has ever been talked about. Like, you always think of like the 80s and 2000s, like the most like gassed guys, or you think of like the early mid 90s with like kind of the, you know, slim down dudes. But 99 may literally be the best shape the roster has ever been in until like the modern era. Like, all these dudes are fucking cut lean like even road dog looks really good you know i mean like even yeah. he is like thin like they are just all like locked in they are you know from china on down like they are just cut they're not like super gassed and bloated they're super lean down and just like looking strong and healthy like um even though a lot of them are probably gassed up i don't know what whatever roids they had we're not the bloating type here at 99 because they are just all super <laughs> cut. Um, everyone, like everyone just looks amazing during this stretch. So I gave a point for Kane cause he looked fantastic <laughs> like here. Um, an all time rock promo where he marks, marks the Undertaker's chance. Ooh, la la. Sabe da. <laughs> <laughs> um, we used to always mock takers, stupid fucking chanting as well, like at home. So it was really funny when rock did it here, uh, made us laugh. <laughs> throws it out but uh, i could listen to that one all day uh sean doing the dip and he tosses triple h out of the arena so he can't be vince's partner that was a funny moment and then vince flipping out when rock wanders around in the background while well, rock wanders around in the background not realizing he's on camera so a lot of cool rewatchability moments here on this show <laughs> yeah uh, especially that all-time rock promo uh that was cool to see on this show because um, even does the eyes when he's just really funny he's like, Ooh, la la sabe da. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have thought that happened on TV. Um, yeah. yeah, that was cool to see here. Nice surprise. Uh, and for the, uh, the minuses, we only have uh, that the King of the Ring tournament matches felt rushed and really allowed for no flow or really good storytelling um, throughout the tournament itself. Yeah, so plus three, though, for rewatchability. So nice score there. Uh, all-time matches, we had none on the positive side, but we did have Kane Big Show on the negative. So that's a minus mm-hmm. one because we both give it a half a star. For an all-time match, has to both both of us have to rate it four and a quarter and above, or three quarters a star and below. And Marcus, that gives us a net score of 16. Ooh, so right. pretty strong outing, uh, just a tick below backlash. But this show was held big time by the commentary and the moments and the build. But it was also hurt dramatically by the in-ring and the structure of the card. Uh, so when that really, to me, really comes down to the tournament, like. If they had just booked a slightly better tournament, this one may have really risen uh, into the upper tier. As is, it's kind of in the, you know, second grouping down. Still a good showing, but that tournament structure really, really hurt the card. Yeah, I mean, we could be talking about like a fringe all-time show Mm -hmm. with uh, some of the rebooking that you threw out there. um, That really, you know, it's not, uh, not really anything reaching, just tightening up the show a bit. Um, but yeah, just a few small changes away from really having, um, an all time show. Um, but that being said, um, a lot of stuff happening, a lot of fun promos, a lot of good story development, um, outside of the tournament itself. So fun show. All right. So also fun shows are all over North South connection, Marcus. Almost every day, actually, literally every day, now that we have our Cronoso Pod Blast series dropping daily, 
We also have a lot of cool content focused around the Place to Be Nation stretch project for this year, around the greatest duty wrestler ever, uh, trying to revisit that project five years later, building our list. So we have some content around that. We have a lot of evergreen shows, deep diving into different eras of wrestling history, different projects like this. Look, if you're a nerd about wrestling and you like to dig into the minutiae, like this is the podcast network for you because you will find it up and down the board. Uh, we also touch on some current stuff. Of course, we have the Viewer's Choice podcast, you and Tim, uh, or if, uh, you know, occasionally rotating guests, we'll break down live premium special events as soon as they end. We also have an AEW podcast with Jordan Duncan and Andrew Reich. So there's a lot of cool stuff to offer here. Spread the word, share with your friends, follow us on social media, facebook.com slash North South Connection. Uh, what do you have going on, Marcus? Anything else beyond that? Uh, yeah. If you're looking for some other content, you can check out myself and not the tool man, Tim Taylor, uh, over on the soon to be named network where we have our own show called final wrestling place, where we put the nouns professional wrestling, uh, into either the good place or the bad place, given a system of arbitrary red points and green points to determine their final wrestling place. That show is on hiatus right now. We're hoping to get back, uh, around WrestleMania, maybe a little bit after, but, uh, we have a whole bunch of different seasons, uh, to go back into and uh, dive in. So feel free to check those out if you can. All right. So that'll take us on to our next show here tonight and our last of the evening. And that is fully loaded 1999, July 25th to be the date. Buffalo, New York, the Marine Midland Arena, Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, as usual, on the call. This is our big go-home heading into SummerSlam, which has obviously already kind of had the build kind of start up in earnest. And, you know, historically, the July pay-per-view has been a bit of a mixed bag. Like, 96, 98 were both kind of holding patterns. 97, obviously, was was an all-time classic. So, will 99 follow 98's shoes and just really be a placeholder for SummerSlam, or will we get some big stuff going down? Uh, it'd be interesting. And it was a show I didn't have a super ton of memory about. So I was excited to rewatch it. Yeah. And I've always tend to like the July pay-per-views uh, for mm-hmm. WWE slash WWF. Um, I don't think they really become a holding pattern until you get into like the mid two thousands where there's a lot more shows being run, but uh, we'll see how this show shakes out uh, to start off the card. We have Val Venus defeating Joey Abs with uh, the rest of the Mean Street Posse. We've got The Godfather defeating Meat, being accompanied by Jacqueline and Terry. And Christian defeats Big Vis. All right, so those are our heat matches. And now we can transition over to the main card. And we have an interesting little twist here because, you know, we haven't really talked about the IC title much lately at all. Uh, Jeff Jarrett was our champion. We did mention that all the way back at Backlash, Jarrett defeated uh, the Godfather. So what happened was, just to give a little lineage update, Jarrett, I'm sorry, Godfather defended against Goldust at Backlash, was supposed to defend against the Blue Blazer at Over the Edge. Of course, Owen Hart passes away. That match gets punted. And uh, Jeff Jarrett would then win the IC title on Raw in an emotional moment a couple weeks after that. If you remember, he's like crying as he won the title. And he has held the belt until right before this show when Edge defeated him uh, at a house show. I think it was, what, like two days before this in Canada? So, yeah, I think um, so. 
Yeah, they did a little bit of an oop-de-oop. So you come into this show not even realizing that Edge is now your Intercontinental Champion. Um, so kind of a cool deal, kind of a cool moment. Uh, and that sets up the rematch here where Jarrett gets his title shot uh, to try and win the title back. That's right. Uh, the automatic return clause is in effect as Jeff Jarrett is going to win back the Intercontinental title by defeating Edge. Uh, I like this a good bit. I went 2.75. Uh, yeah, it was a very solid opener. I went 275 as well, which is kind of, I guess, one of my de facto <laughs> Jeff Jarrett grades that he gets for a lot of matches. But uh, no, this is a pretty fun opener. The crowd was into it. It was a cool moment for Edge. Uh, kind of an inauspicious way for him to win a singles title, but it shows that they're still serious about him as a singles threat, not just a tag guy now that he's settled more into that role. Um, it was actually the night before in Toronto, uh, July okay. 24th, that Edge won the title. So he just had the one-day reign. And Jared actually picks up his fifth IC title with this one. So a uh, very fine choice to open the show. All right. Um, next up, we have for the WWF World Tag Team titles, uh, the Hardy Boys and Michael P.S. Hayes are going to lose to the accolades, Farouk and Bradshaw. I went two and a half. Same. Kind of a weird match. Uh, Hayes with the Hardys was like, I guess a good fit initially kind of quickly falls apart and he ends up again looking like kind of an idiot in this match um, and costs him the match too, right? Doesn't he take the pin? So um, yeah, not, not a good, uh, good look for Hayes. I think this pretty much ends their relationship with the Hardys. I think they turn on him pretty soon after. Um, so kind of a, whatever match just kind of exists. Nine and a half minutes. It looks like the Acolytes are back as champions, though. Billy Gunn's no longer involved, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's a plus. Um, for the European title, D'Lo Brown is going to win the title from Midian. Huh. And uh, I went two on that match. Yeah, so Shane McMahon basically, like, what, left the European title in his bag, and Midian found it <laughs> and became European champion. Um, short-lived as D'Lo gets the belt back. I went one and three-quarter stars. Just not much here. I, I mentioned a few shows ago, like, I'm just not that intermediate as a singles guy. I find him pretty boring. Uh, and this is just to get the belt back on D'Lo. And he kind of goes back to his roots from the year before where he'll start doing, like, the different countries and all that. And he's just probably, outside of Bulldog, like, the guy you associate the most with the European title, right? Yeah, for me, he's one. Like, he, he is the guy I associate the European title with. So it's nice to see him get back on track with that. Mm-hmm. Um, another title match here as the hardcore title is on the line as, uh, the big boss man is going to win the title by defeating Al Snow. Uh, and that is of course a hardcore match and they get 10 minutes. I went one. Yeah, me too. It's, it's just a long match. Some of the backstage stuff is okay, but this felt like a little too walk brawly for me. And then the finish is kind of silly too, where big show they go like to the alley behind the arena and big show they're like under a bridge <laughs> like big show handcuffs snow to the fence and just keeps hitting with a nightstick and snow's like laughing as he's doing it yeah um actually went one and a half not one but similar uh he, and then he big boss man pins him against the fence so like his shoulders aren't even down it's just weird um you know, these are hit and miss. They're up and down. We'll see a good one on our next show. But for this, just didn't really click on this night. Uh, so, yeah, just, just not the best match between these guys. No, not at all. And um, we'll talk about it later on. But, yeah, just just not good. Um, 
We do have the Big Show and Kane uh, next. Uh, yeah, more of that. Um, I went one. Yeah, me too. Holly's the referee for this one, so he's involved in the big shot stuff. I guess it's slightly better than King of the Ring, at least, but not by much. We get the bear hug in here. Just it's it's a boring match. Like we no need to run this back after that King of the Ring snoozer between these two. No, um, this was the press slam though, right? A big show yeah. lists Kane and <laughs> dumps him out to the floor. Uh, that was pretty brutal. Uh, they probably should have took it home right after that because <laughs> the match definitely peaked. Um, and, this little yeah. stretch of pay-per-views is weird because, like, we're in the middle of all the Kane Xbox stuff, and we haven't seen it on pay-per-view at all. No. No, not at all. Uh, I kind of wish we had because uh, really anything would be an improvement over uh, Kane and Big Show. Uh, next up, though, we do get the Iron Circle match as Kane Shamrock is going to defeat Steve Blackman. I went 2.25. No, me too. This was fun. Uh, they're outside with all the cars around and they're all honking the horns. And it felt just like, yeah, it was just like a little bruising street fight that they had uh, thrown down out there. So this was a really uh, cool little concept. I always like Shamrock in these concept matches. We'll see another one next month at SummerSlam. Uh, you know, he had the one with Owen in the dungeon. So they always kind of dispatch him to these random uh, spots for these matches. And he always delivers because he's such a good, legitimate fighter. So, so is yeah. Blackman, and they, they just kind of mesh well. So this was really cool. And seeing all the wrestlers, like, sitting around the circle was nice, too. Yeah, definitely a cool scene. Um, a, a good way to get these guys outside of the ring and into mm-hmm. a different environment and do some storytelling. Um, we are back into the ring, though, as DX formally implodes uh, for control of DX, uh, all the branding and uh, the IP and all that good stuff. Uh, Road Dog and X-Pac are going to defeat Billy Gunn in China. I went two and a half. Yeah, me too. Uh, fine tag match. This continues to be like all the way back to Backlash. And you can even go beyond that to Valentine's Day Massacre or like waiting for these the chemistry to show with all these guys you know it's like they keep fighting each other to like two and a half stars it's like where when are we going to get some like a little bit of pop out of this and yeah billy and china align like the whole thing's a little confusing like who's with who china's kind of still with triple h he lends her to billy to try and win the dx rights and road dog it's just the whole thing's kind of convoluted and because they do this tag, Billy ends up losing in his first pay-per-view match post his tournament win. So, like, that's weird, too. Would have been better maybe you just had a singles match and went over. I don't know. The whole thing's odd. But they yeah, wanted, like, you know, they didn't want they didn't want Dog and X-Pac to lose the right, so. Yeah, but, like, why does Billy Gunn care? He's the king of the ring. He's got other stuff to do. Um, but, yeah, I guess it, it's a good way to get the rights and continue on with the DX uh, imagery with Road Dog and X-Pac. Uh, business is going to pick up, though, as we're going to close with uh, two pretty big matches here. Mm-hmm. The Rock uh, is going to lose to Triple H, and this is to determine the number one uh, contender for the WWF title at SummerSlam. They're going to get almost 20 minutes. I went 2.75. Yeah, I went three. I, I'd consider this disappointing. Um, it's a big-time match. It's the second fully loaded in a row that they fought. Last year, they fought in the big uh two out of three falls match as well that That's goes right. to the draw and yeah this one um definitely feel like a letdown i think a year later you think these guys are both up the ladder like triple h is ready to break through and fight for the world title like there's a lot going on here and it just is not fully getting that groove um 
and I think Billy Gunn gets involved here, right? Yeah, uh, Billy Gunn yeah. gets involved here in the finish to set up uh, what we're going to see next month with Rock and Billy Gunn. Mm-hmm. I also forgot to mention that this is the fully loaded strap match. Um, they change yes. up the name a little bit, uh, you know, to, I guess delineate that this is a matchup where it ends by pinfall or submission, um, not by touching all four corners or dragging your opponent to the corners. Um, so a, a good little piece of business there to, you know, keep these guys attached to the strap, but get away from the, you know, touching all four sides, which is, um, you know, a little, little tough to do sometimes. Um, but, yeah, I like this better than the, the touch too. I think they should do more of these type, um, yeah. and it, it, it Helped, and the touch could have been a lazy way out for them, too, if they didn't want Rock to get pinned, but um, the gun interference kind of covers that anyway. So, big win for Triple H, for sure, but not the match you want to see as he's, you know, climbing up the ladder against, like, The Rock. Like, to me, you would have thought they'd really go out and ball out and maybe hang, like, a four out there, you know? Yeah, like, especially since these two have such a built-in chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just kind of, you know, let them go out there and do their thing and you know that they can deliver the goods. But um, yeah, I mean, there's ostensibly been feuding for over two years. Like, yeah, I mean, they just had like a classic at Summer 98 less than a year ago. Yeah. Um, more evidence like this heel iteration of Triple H. Mm-hmm. You know, we see a little bit of progress with every show, but, um, you know, still doesn't have his legs under him. Um, still struggling to really find his identity as this new Triple H character. Um, but that takes us to our main event for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. It is uh, end of an era. Um, if Vince, uh, excuse me, if The Undertaker loses, then uh, Vince can no longer appear on WWF television. If Austin loses, he would never have another shot at the WWF Championship. But Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to defeat The Undertaker. I went three and a half. And of course, this is a first blood match as well. I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah. And the blood really, we'll talk about the build in a minute, but really played into the build. Um, I went three and a half as well. It's a, it's a fun, chaotic match with, yeah, bleeding everywhere, blood everywhere, uh, really going at it. Of course, these are also two guys that have pretty much been feuding for the last year on and off. So kind of a call back to the year before as well. Uh, Austin retains, we say farewell to Vince kind of, you know, he'll be gone for about two months, but it pretty much brings an end to the initial Austin McMahon mm-hmm. uh, angle that began in late 97. So we got about a year and a half of mileage out of it. This puts uh, the bow on that for now. And Austin retains. And this is, you know, the match over the edge wasn't bad, all things considered. The match the next night at King of the Ring after Kenny when Austin wins the bell back from Undertaker is really fun. It's kind of a forgotten gem. Yeah. Uh, that's a super chaotic match. And then this is really good too. So they pulled out some nice stuff here in 99 and it was a good way to close the show. All right. So that nets out to a negative 1.75. Uh, so we'll see if we can overcome once again, trending to be another shaky uh, match output. Yeah. That takes right. us over to our, our categories. Yeah, so let's start with builds. Um, and again, we've talked about a bunch already. Uh, using heat for major plot developments, we'll give another point for that. Edge's house show I see title win, just give a little bit of drama coming into the opener here. The tension with the Hardy Boys and Michael Hayes leading to their eventual breakup and their loss tonight. All the big shot stuff with show Kane and Holly. Uh, Shamrock and Blackman having their feud to set up the Iron Circle. The DX intellectual property feud was uh, well drawn out. Triple H just sit down with Jim Ross. 
uh, before the show is a classic moment in his evolution. It's kind of where he really starts to break out a little bit as a character. I think it's where he christens the game and all that, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that one too? Yeah. So, yep. yeah. It's a pretty important interview, that one on Heat. And then, of course, the build to the end of an era, which had the awesome moment where they signed the contract and Taker busts open Austin and fills the pen with his blood and signs it in the blood, uh, which is really cool. So uh, a really fun um, build to the show. Yeah, lots going on in the build. They're really firing on all cylinders. And our only minus here is uh, Midian as a random European champion uh, and getting mm. involved in that scene. Yeah, that was an odd decision. Yeah. And finding the belt uh, in the bag and all that. Just, I don't know. Odd choice to be that guy. All right. Commentary, which has been very strong so far this season. Uh, JR and King, we give them a point as usual for being on point with the stories. They're really good kind of picking up on show, turning heel with Holly's help. Uh, tripped my ass when he wins the match. <laughs> and, I mean, we'll see it by next month. Show is a full-fledged heel again. Uh, really good talk about D'Lo's weight loss because that's going to fuel uh, an angle going forward. He's really got himself into some great shape here, just like everyone else. Uh, one of my favorite moments, as always, uh, J.R. calls Taylor the rooster when he throws it to him <laughs> for an interview. Let's go to the rooster. Uh, uh, really on point, putting over Triple H's bitter anger as part of his character, which, you know, we've talked about it already uh, over the first couple episodes, how his character seemed aimless. It's really here that it starts to come into to view a little bit. Um, and they really put him over as like bitter and angry as being kind of passed over and it's his time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Vince on commentary calling the main event was a great throwback and perfect use of him here. And then just really good job building all the dynamics of the main event throughout the night with Taker and Austin both being cut, uh, you know, having an established cut going into the first blood match. They do a nice job on all of that stuff. Well, it was really awesome to see in here uh, for the minuses. King is back on his ish with, uh, you know, mm talking about puppies uh obsessing over them and uh stupid stupid banter about mr ass being a dumb name um just really <laughs> harping on that like we kind of know it's dumb um but them drawing to attention to it, it yeah it doesn't do any favors so uh that's a plus five for commentary so rough matches but we already have a plus seven for build and a plus five for commentary so we are trending in the right direction here for this show Let's go to atmosphere. Uh, massive pop for Deborah and those puppies as she comes out. Uh, all of the bloodbath um, when that happens with the brood. A monster pop for Austin attacking Jeff Jarrett during the show, which kind of you know was a running gag too, where Austin is attacking everyone. Uh, we get the Iron Circle, which is a really cool vibe and feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shamrock looked like the fucking Punisher, man. Just like juiced up, comes out with the <laughs> tank top and the jeans, just like looking to kill someone. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, a huge pop when Road Dog pinned Billy Gunn, and then the crowd is molten for the brawl at the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, our minuses, the crowd does check out a bit for the tag title and European title matches. We've got Big Show's weird tights uh, that have his hmm. name written on the back in, like, I don't know, Microsoft uh, Paint font. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think these make the WrestleMania 2000 video game, too. That's why these always stand out to me. Um, and lots of action outside of the arena. We're seeing this as uh-huh. the season goes on. Um, I can only imagine it was probably a little tough to follow uh, being in a live crowd, not having you know as much happen inside the arena in the ring where everybody can see. For sure. All right, so it's a four for atmosphere, so we're still putting up the big numbers. 
Notable moments, and this show has a lot of them, Marcus. Uh, we gave two points for the amazing, I think, forgotten opening video package with this classic, like, Mexican love ballad about mm-hmm. Austin and McMahon and everything. And, like, you always think of the big ones, right? Like, Over the Edge 98, Survivor Series 98, The Highway to Hell, mm-hmm. like, Valentine's Day Massacre. Yeah. This one, to me, is, like, overlooked in that pantheon of the 97, 98, 99 opening video packages because this is a tremendous one. Um, Edge turning on Gangrel to do things on his own is a big moment. The Acolytes getting the tag titles. Uh, Edge's short reign ends by Jarrett winning the belt for the fifth time. Uh, D'Lo Brown bringing the European title back to re- relevancy. Gun in China uh, with their matching look and DX, uh, you know, going for the DX stuff and you reuniting. Uh, big Boss Man regaining the hardcore title is a big moment. Taker and Big Show forming their team as that's going to play out. Austin busting open Taker backstage. We have our first ever Iron Circle match. Also a huge moment that we didn't mention yet is Kurt Angle's pay-per-view debut. He's one of the guys outside in the Iron Circle as he was part Ooh. of developmental. So Ooh, kind started. of a cool little hidden moment here. Yep, Angle's big pay-per-view uh, arrival. Uh, a complete savage promo by The Rock. <laughs> Just shredding everybody. Uh, <laughs> Triple H becomes number one contender. And then, of course, the Gun-Rock feud will kick off for SummerSlam. So... I mean, that is a lot happening on this show. Yeah, a lot is happening. Um, everybody has something. Uh, and we'll see how that plays into the minuses because Hayes is presented as a goof uh, getting kicked out of his own team. Uh, we've got Al Snow loving pain. This is one of those stories where if it's him that came up with the idea, somebody should have said no. Um, right. It just doesn't. It never plays well. Um, I think Raven in WCW is probably the closest that comes to. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it just it's just weird. Um, it never comes across well on TV. Um, Show and Kane have no chemistry, and they have a terrible ending to their match. Uh, Billy Gunn doing the job right after his uh, big King of the Ring win. Inconsistent booking of Triple H with the remnants of DX. Is he in? Is he out? He cares, but he doesn't care. He's bitter but then he wants you know some of his buddies to get the dx money just very inconsistent of whether he's in or out and uh long boss man snow fight that really kills the the flow Mm -hmm. of the show especially being outside of the ring for so much so all that said we still get nine for importance moments which i think may be a record i have to look back but i don't think we've been that high so i see 11 out of seven i'm gonna check money in the bank really quick Money in the Bank had six. Wow. SummerSlam had seven. So, yeah, this is this is a big show for moments, for sure. So, lots going on here. Uh, match grades, we talked about negative 1.75. Card structure, we gave pluses for Austin getting cut open on heat to set the tone. Uh, and then Austin getting revenge later and attacking Taker um, after Taker attacks X-Pac and Kane. And then the top two matches closing the show. We're always a fan of that. They do a lot of that stacking here in the season. So point for that. Yeah. Uh, the only minuses for the card structure is uh, the boring European title match followed by a match that leaves the arena. Um, that just kind of brought the show a bit to a halt. I wouldn't say like a screeching halt, but it definitely killed some of the flow of the show. All right. Uh, so that gives a two for total score on card structure and rewatchability. We gave a point for Deborah's outfit, my lord. Uh, Without question. Absurd. And then also the Austin Taker through line was really good throughout the show with the mm-hmm. keep busting each other open. 
Yeah. Um, and the only uh, minus for the rewatchability is Show and Kane and the Boar Fest that they put on. Yep. And it wasn't bad enough to get an all-time match negative. So that's why we stuck it there. Uh, so that's a, a one for rewatchability. Nothing for all-time matches. And that gives us, Marcus, a very shocking total score, which I did not see coming when I put this show on. Um, and it surprised me with how high it's going to finish. 26.25. And that makes it our second highest show to date. Uh, just, you know, a little over two behind Money in the Bank 11. And I don't think coming into the project, in our, anyone's mind, would we have thought fully loaded 99 would be that close to Money in the Bank 11. I knew I always enjoyed the show. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. I enjoy all three fully loaded, but I really enjoy this show. Um, but it's one of those shows where like, I put on and I'm like, well, the matches aren't all that. But as we just broke down our categories, there is so much going on. So much matters. So much effort and storytelling um, gets put into just all the characters and their involvement in the show. Everything matters. Even mm-hmm. like Midian finding the title, uh, even though, you know, that ended up in the minus section a couple of times and hurt the match grade, like the European title being found like that at least has a, like it's part on the show. Um, this is where you can really see whether it's Russo, whether it's Pritchard, whether whoever you want to include on that writing team, whoever wants the credit, whoever wants the blame, um, everything storytelling wise is firing on all, all cylinders here. And I know that's kind of something that 2000 gets the reputation for, mm-hmm. but it's in full effect right here in the summer of 1999. And it just goes to show like if they just put a little more in ring focus, like this could possibly be one of our greatest of all time. I mean, it already is probably going to be one of the best when you look at the score. But, um, you know, without that negative at the match and maybe if the card structure is a little bit better, like you're talking ahead of money in the bank, uh, which is nuts. And, yeah, I think it's just overlooked how much happens on this show. It's it's a lot like I don't think we forced any of these moments. I think they're all pretty big. You yeah. can maybe argue the bonus point for the video package, but it was an all time video package. It was awesome. Um there's a lot happening on the show. A lot goes down, and it's a big setup for SummerSlam. Um, you set up some major angles. Triple H becoming no more contender at the end of Vince. Like, there's so much going on. It's a big-time show. So I'll be really curious where SummerSlam falls because it feels similar to this with better matches. So I'm curious if by the end of our next episode, I think SummerSlam 99 could possibly be our number one show, which would be surprising to me, but we'll see. Um, what I'm curious to find out is like long term of these shows and years that are more focused on moments, build characters going to always outpace the in-ring. Is the in-ring destined to do well, but not the best? And that's fine because we're looking at this holistically. So like everything should factor in and we are factoring in things like moments and yeah, they're all being weighted equally. So like a nine minute match isn't going to mean more than a two minute moment because it's all part of this show for us. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how we've decided to go about it. And because of that, Fully Loaded 1999 is now our second best show. Uh, all that said, we have now ranked 22 shows in total. Marcus, do you want to read them through? Absolutely. Uh, let's start with the bottom. 
we have Over the Limit 2011 with a minus 9. Night of Champions 2011 with a negative 3. WrestleMania 11 with a minus 0.75. All right, then we get into the pluses with Elimination Chamber 2012, 2.75. No Mercy 1999 from the UK with a 4. We're at Rumble 1995 with a 5.5. TLC 2011 with a 6.25. Rumble 2012 with a 6.5. King of the Ring 1994 with a 6.5. Survivor Series 94, 7.75. Extreme Rules 2011, 8.75. SummerSlam 94 with a 9. Vengeance 2011 with a 9.5. Hell in a Cell 2011, 11.5. Capital Punishment 2011, 13.75. WrestleMania 28, 14.5. King of the Ring 1999 with a 16. Backlash 99 right above it at 16.25. The Survivor Series 2011 with an 18.75. And our top three, SummerSlam 2011 at 23. Fully Loaded 1999 with a 26.25. And our number one show still hanging on, Money in the Bank 2011, 28.75. So on our next episode in two weeks' time, we'll be covering SummerSlam and Unforgiven 99. And like I said, Marcus, I am super interested in SummerSlam to see if this could become our number one show. I think it has a real potential given uh, the focus on moments and again, the matches are much more quality than we've seen so far in 99. So uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, uh, I, th- I think just defending fully loaded 1999 there, looking at it with the final score of a 26.25. Uh, we said once we got to Money in the Bank, uh, once it came, came in with that final score of 28.75, is anything going to touch it? Um, there's a couple shows that came to mind. Um, but Fully Loaded 1999 was not one of them. So now I'm wondering, you know, does this open the field back up? Is, uh-huh. is it no longer a runaway uh, with those shows that we figure are going to be the top shows? You know, we can throw them out there. WrestleMania 17, WrestleMania 3, on and on and on. All the big ones that you think about. But here's a July pay-per-view, which some might think of as a throwaway. And it comes in with, you know, our second highest score so far. So it's the field open back up. I think so. I think it opens the door for shows like a SummerSlam 97, a WrestleMania 7, with like a lot of big time moments and, and good matches. I think suddenly those are like all in the picture, which I wouldn't have thought a few weeks ago. So seeing how this starts to shake out and how the moments come into play, I think you start to look at those shows um, that have like big memorable happenings uh, starting to maybe, you know, play a role. Yeah, well, I'm excited to uh, get to our next show where we're going to talk about SummerSlam and Unforgiven. Uh, just you mentioning SummerSlam 1999 that unlocks a bunch of memories for me and I'm sure a lot of other uh, people listening. It's one of those shows where you can know where it happened, you know who was involved, you know the matches, you remember the build. Um, and that's before we even get into like the minutiae of the show. So um, there is a good chance that SummerSlam 1999 finishes pretty high on this list as well. All right, continue to live your lives above replacement level. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Take care.
nosotros no hay distancia, ni tiempo, ni espacio, será siempre eterno nuestro amor. Te juro que nadie más te amará como yo, mas soy Que me duele 